You ever walked on stage and forgot your mic? <laughs> Went to turn my mic on. I'm like, ah, it's not there. <laughs> good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning. Uh, hey, I'm excited today because we're starting a five-week series today all about prayer. And actually, the reason we're doing this series is because at some point, let's be honest, we all have prayed or we will pray and here's what I know about you, because I know about me, you know about everybody, is that we all start praying because of wants and needs. I mean, think about it, it's just true. Like, hey, God, I, I need a new car. You know, God, help me, you know, get that parking spot. You know, God, take away my cancer. God, help me, you know, our team win today. Get me out of this mess. God, please help my parents be asleep when I get home because I'm late. God, give us a baby. God, provide me with a different job. You know, some of us, you know, it's interesting. We want nothing to do with God. We don't think about God. Maybe we claim to not even believe in God until we need or we want something. Then all of a sudden, we'll start calling on him like he's a genie in the bottle. And we'll start rubbing that bottle. God, please, God, please, God, please. I mean, think about it. when you're at rock bottom, when life gets hard enough, when you need or want something that's outside of your control, your natural, my natural inclination is to throw up our arms and say, okay, God, if you're there, help me out here. And sometimes we get what we ask for. We got that car, that parking spot, our team won. Our wishes were granted. But then other times we get nothing. And the other thing I know about you, because I know about me, is we stop praying because of what we didn't, because we didn't get what we asked for. I mean, many of us have heard the verse where Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. And you're like, I asked, I prayed, I, you know, made my wishes, but he never answered. Nothing ever happened. And perhaps it was a series of nothing that convinced you that there's nothing to prayer. That prayer is a waste of time. That prayer doesn't work. Well, let me ask you a really offensive question. What if the reason our prayers don't work, your prayers don't seem to work, is because you're not praying correctly? Like, what if the reason that prayer is so hit and miss and we don't hear and it's all the unanswered prayers and nothing seems to happen is because we've just gotten prayer all, all wrong? Like, what if there's a God who hears and who wants to respond, but he isn't a genie in a bottle? What if, what if prayer doesn't work, at least the way you want it to work? What if there's something missing in how we pray so often? What if there's something more to prayer than just asking for our needs and asking for our wants? Well, according to Jesus, there is. When we read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus prayed a lot, which seems a little weird when you think about it. I mean, he's God in flesh, at least according to him, right? And so, like, how are you praying? Like, hey, I ask me for a new car. Like, what was, what was he saying, you know? And so we don't fully understand, you know, how it all worked, what he prayed about all the time, why he prayed about what he did. All we know is that if prayer was important to him, God in the flesh, it must be important to us as well. Well, as God-fearing Jews, Jesus' first century followers, they grew up praying. But like us, they'd become frustrated with prayer because nothing was happening. And then they saw Jesus pray. And they realized there was something different about his prayers. And it was like something different was going on between him and Father God. It, it was more intimate. It was less scripted. It was, there was more of a passion and intensity. And it was compelling. Jesus' prayers, they were more powerful. They were more effective. They were answered. And it made... That made them even more discontent with their prayers. And they knew that there was something missing about what prayer was and how to pray. So they finally asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Saying, hey, we, we don't know how to pray, Jesus. 
Like, will you teach us? And Jesus didn't respond like many of us would respond if someone asked us to teach them how to pray. Like, hey, just talk to God. Jesus said, you know, you're right. You don't know how to pray. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you, and I need you to pay attention, because getting this will change how you pray the rest of your life. Getting this will determine if your prayers ever work. Getting this will affect how you view and how you relate to your Heavenly Father, and maybe most importantly, getting this will change you. So throughout this five-week series, we're going to be answering the question, how do I pray in a way that works by looking at Jesus' words recorded in Matthew 6 when he taught his first century followers how to pray? And you got to know, this series is so important for all of us because, as I said a second ago, everyone has or will pray at some point, at some point in time. Regardless of what you believe about God, if you would say you're a follower of Christ or not, if you're kind of new to the church thing, you've been a part of church your whole life, if you think about God all the time or you never think about him at all or you're fully devoted to God or you, you know, could care less about him in your life, regardless of where you're at, when you need something bad enough, when you feel low enough, when, when, when you need someone bigger than yourself, when you feel lost, when you feel hopeless, when, when circumstances are outside of your control, when you're at your end, at some point, you have prayed, and chances are at some point, regardless of where you're at, you will pray. So here's why this series is so important, is we must learn how to pray so we don't go our whole lives participating in it without experiencing the power of it. We're all going to pray at some point in time. And according to Jesus, prayer is powerful. It's powerful in your life. It's powerful in the lives of others. It's powerful in how you view and how you relate to God. And since you're going to pray at some point anyway, you might as well learn how to so you can experience the power of it. I mean, ain't none of us going for unanswered prayers. None of us are going, you know what, I'm going to sit down and pray so that my prayers can go unanswered. None of us. All of us are going for answered prayers. So let's learn how to pray in a way that works. Now, some of you, you are so excited for this series because you're just frustrated with prayer. And you're like, yeah, tired of the unanswered prayer. Let's get, it, let's get into this bad boy. Others of you, you're a little offended right now. You're offended because you're going, Ronnie, I don't need you, a pastor, telling me how to pray. Like, I've been following Jesus for a long time. I'm part of church my whole life. I know how to pray. This is below me. I'm way beyond this. Like, you know, I need to go deeper I need to go deeper than you just telling me how to pray. Like, I know how to pray. So you're a little offended right now. And I'm just about ready to tell you, if that's you, if you're thinking that right now, you're about ready to get more offended. Because according to Jesus, you may not be praying correctly. As a matter of fact, your prayers may be actually do be doing more harm than good for you, for other people, and for your relationship with God. So instead of getting your, you know, I'm beyond this, holier than thou, you know, I need to go deeper than this, holy, you know, undies in a bundle... You think you need to relax and maybe open up your ears and your heart and your mind as Jesus schools all of us on prayer. Now, what's interesting is instead of starting with how to pray, Jesus actually starts his lesson with how not to pray. Now, if you're not a fan of church, if you're not a fan of quote-unquote Christians, you're going to love this. Because Jesus begins by pointing out the hypocrisy of so many people who participate in prayer but do it the wrong way. And here's how he begins his lesson on prayer. He says, and when you pray, because sooner or later you're going to pray, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And the synagogue was like the Jewish equivalent of a church building. 
and on the street corners to be seen by others. He starts off going, hey, let me, t- let me start by telling you how not to pray. And that's like a hypocrite. Well, what's a hypocrite in this context? Well, by the way, some of you right now are probably going to get, this is going to be uncomfortable for you. I'm just going to tell you. Now, a hypocrite in this context is not someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, but sins or screws up or messes up at some times. If that was the case, we'd all be hypocrites. And by the way, even if you're not a follower of Christ and you always say, oh, those Christians are hypocrites, you're a hypocrite too. We're all hypocrites. Because every single one of us, even we all have things that we said, this is the type of person I am, this is the things I do and don't do, and every single one of us has broken our own rules. All right, so let's be honest, we're all hypocrites. All of us have been hypocrites at times. That's not the context of what Jesus is talking about. The hypocrite in this context is someone who looks devoted to God, committed to God, connected to God, but's pretending. It's someone who wants to be seen as spiritually superior and thinks that they're better than everyone else. It's someone who wants to be noticed for how much more connected they are to God than everyone else. It's someone who doesn't care about being seen by God as much as they care about being seen by others. It's someone who's more interested in what's being seen on the outside by others than what's being seen on the inside by God. Now you have to know, Jesus, he had no tolerance for this type of hypocrite. Jesus knew people's hearts and knew they weren't better than anyone else. And oftentimes, people who were acting this way, they were worse because they were hiding stuff behind their pretending. And I know everyone's going, well, that's not me. I'm not this type of hypocrite. Well, we, you know, can all act like this type of hypocrite sometimes. You know, maybe, maybe you, you're, it's, maybe it's in this room. You come in here, I'm going to lift my hands so everyone can see me, I'm gonna shine. Oh, we get real, no one's noticing me enough, so we get real emotional. We gotta cry and sit down so people can put their hands on us. I'm like, good, now they're noticing me. I don't know, maybe. Or you're, you know, you're working with some, you're working with some people, building something, you hit your thumb with the hammer. Jesus Christ, thank you so much for all these great gifts that you've given me. You know? <laughs> But then when it comes to prayer, listen, we can be hypocrites too. You know how we can be hypocrites when it comes to prayer? In our small groups, we share prayer requests. We're getting free prayer requests. Hey, does anyone have a prayer request? And some are, I don't have a prayer request for me, but I do for Jane. Well, what's, well how would you like to pray for Jane? I'm not supposed to, I shouldn't say. But since we're praying for her, let me share what's going on in her life. And now we start just sharing all about Jane. And not really so we can pray for her, but just so everyone can know how much we know about them. And really all we're doing is gossiping. By the way, I'm ashamed to say this. I'm embarrassed to say this, but pastors are the worst when it comes to this. I mean the worst. And you know why we're the worst when it comes to it? It's because of you. Let's be honest. (laughs) Because you somehow think we got special access to God that we don't got. And we got to hold up that mantra. You know what I mean? So that we keep getting paid or something. I don't know. And so, like, seriously, the funniest prayer moments I've ever been in my whole life are with pastors. And I, this was when I was living in Birmingham, Alabama. I went and had lunch with this pastor I'd never met before. We go, we want, he wanted to get to know me. We go have lunch together. And we get our food. And he goes, hey, would you pray for us? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for food. So this, this literally, I'm not even exaggerating this. I, this is how we start out. Dear Lord, thank you so much that uh, me and Mike can be together today. And from across the table, he goes, yes, Lord, that loud.
amen, and I'm done. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, if it got that weird that quick, I'm not even going to start praying for this food. Like, there ain't no way. Like, he's going to be tonguing out and slain in the spirit in, like, three seconds. Like, I ain't doing this. So first thing Jesus teaches about prayer is definitely the way not to pray. He said, don't pray like a hypocrite who cares more about being seen and noticed and praised by others than God. He goes, hey, you can pray like that, but if you do, here's what you need to know. He He goes on, truly I tell you, they have received their full reward. And what's really cool is in this verse and the next word, verse, Jesus uses the word reward. And his point is that there is a reward attached to prayer. What he's saying here is that people who want to be seen by others get the exact reward they wanted. To be seen by others. That's it. Oh, they, they, they wanted attention from others. And they got it. But they didn't get attention from God. They, they, the reward was the attention they received from the people who, the, who they wanted to see that praying how, and, and be impressed by them. But that's the only reward that they got with their prayers. Implication being, God isn't moved or impressed by the public, scripted, perfect prayers of inauthentic people. So don't pray like a hypocrite who wants to impress others because God won't reward you. The only reward you're going to receive is to be seen by others. That's it. Jesus continues, but when you pray, and let me just real quick, let me just stop there just real fast. You got to know the questions that Jesus was interested in in, in in this teaching was when you pray, where you pray, and why you pray. Those are the questions Jesus was interested in answering. When you pray, where you pray, and why you pray. Jesus' first century followers knew his prayers to these questions. They knew his answers were different than their answers because like many of us, God had not answered their prayers. I mean, as Jews, they were living under the oppressive rule of Rome, and they prayed fervently for deliverance. But things weren't getting better. As a matter of fact, things were getting worse. See, they concluded that if prayer really did move God, and if God cared, then clearly they weren't praying correctly. Now, their Jewish religious leaders had a take on why God wasn't answering their, prayer, their prayers. See, they assured the people that God answered prayers, but that God couldn't hear their prayers because they weren't obedient enough to the Jewish law. It was their fault that God hadn't answered prayers. And perhaps someone has told you the same thing. If you had more faith, if you had less sin, God would answer your prayers. And for many of us, God has been reduced to an ATM machine, and we can't figure out the correct PIN number. And that's why our prayers aren't being answered. Well, Jesus, he had a whole different take on it. Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Are you saying I can't pray while I'm driving to work, Jesus? Are you, are you, I can't pray while I'm walking the dog. I can't pray while I'm getting ready in the morning. Jesus, I can't pray with others. I can't pray with my tea life group or my small group. Jesus, I have to go to my bedroom and close the door when I pray. Jesus, is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying to me? And Jesus is going, you are missing the entire point. And it's imperative that we don't miss it. Because what Jesus is telling us is so important. See, of course you can pray with other people. Of course you can pray on the go. Of course you should pray as much as possible. Of course you should pray with other people. But maybe, but maybe Jesus wasn't just talking about prayer. 
maybe he was talking about taking prayer to the next level. Saying, when you pray, you need to find a time and a place when you're alone. You need to find a time and a place where no one sees you. (laughs) You're like, Jesus, come on now. Is that really necessary? Like, I ain't got time for all that. Jesus would go, you don't have time not to. You don't have time not to if you want to pray in a way that works. When it comes to prayer, when and where are important. It's important to find a time and a place to isolate yourself from everyone and everything. So go to your room, close the door, and, and when you get there, pray. Pour out your heart. Talk out loud. Talk silently. Say what needs to be said using whatever tone and whatever words you think necessary. And pray to your Father who is, what? Un seen. And I love that because I think Jesus knows that prayer can be hard and prayer can be frustrating because we can't see our heavenly father. But here's why time and place are so important. Jesus goes on. Then, like if you do this, if you consistently get by yourself and pray to your heavenly father whom you can't see, your father who sees what is done in secret will, here's that word again, reward you know what? Let's say that word out loud together. You ready? Come on. One, two, three. We'll reward you. According to Jesus, secret prayer is rewarded. Now, what's the reward of people who pray to be seen by others, Jesus? It's that they're seen by others. That's it. That's the only reward of their prayer is that they were seen by others. Good luck. Is that what you're going for when you pray? She's going, no. What's the reward of people who praise when no one sees them? The reward is they are seen by God. And Jesus' point is this. When you pray, where you pray, and why you pray are important. Getting consistently by yourself to pray is important because you can't see God. But that's when he sees you. And when you do this, he will reward you. And you're like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. If that's all I got to do to get the stuff I need and I want, then let's get to it. I'm going to my room today. And there are rewards. There are rewards to having a consistent time and place to pray by yourself, but it's not getting everything you want. It's not getting everything you need, and it's not getting everything you ask for. And I'm going to come back to rewards in just a minute. But first, Jesus addresses the why of prayer. He goes on and says, and when you pray, do not keep babbling. We know what babbling means. Like repeating the same mindless, heartless, thoughtless words over and over and over and over again. Like pagans. Like people who don't have a relationship with God. That's the people who keep babbling prayers, thoughtless minds and words and thoughts just over and over and over again. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, unfortunately... Some of us have been taught that God is impressed when it comes to prayer with repetition, with length, and with style. We've been taught that God's moved when we say a couple our fathers, pray an eloquent rendition of the Apostles' Creed, or throw up a few Hail Marys. God's going, if you think that's what I care about, you don't understand prayer at all. You certainly don't understand a relationship with me. Now, because you know this, hey, imagine if this is what we did with our spouse, married people. Every time you wanted to talk with them, you pulled out a poem someone else wrote and read it to them. Your wife would be like, this is real good. 
Thanks for connecting with me today, honey. As you date, your girlfriend or boyfriend go, we're not going to talk, but I'm going to read something at you, and you're going to like this every day. (laughs) Come on. That's not how a relationship works. Why in the world do we treat a relationship with God like that? God's not moved by the quality, length, or theology of our prayers. Repetition doesn't make him hear us. Style doesn't impress him. He's not looking for the right words. As a matter of fact, in my experience, the people whose prayers I found to be most impressive, usually long, loud, dramatic, live less than impressive lives behind the scenes. So if you hesitate to pray because you don't know what to say, take comfort in knowing this. What you say when you pray is far less consequential than when, where, and why you pray. Listen, God doesn't care about the exact words. He cares about you and your relationship with him. He wants the real you to show up, not a pretend version of yourself masked in cheap, mindless, heartless, thoughtless words. Only the real you can have a real encounter with the real God. Only the real you can have a real encounter with the real God. Back to Jesus. Do not be like them, people who equate length and repetition and style with merit. For, and what Jesus says next explains why we don't need a lot of words or we don't need the correct words. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, on one hand, this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, because if God is, like, all-knowing, all-powerful, like, shouldn't he know what we need before we ask him? I mean, if I have to inform God what I need, like, is he really God? So, you know, this is comforting on one end. On the other hand, it does raise the question, so why pray? It's interesting, like, many of us have reduced prayer to informing God about our needs, about our wants, about our wishes. So if God, but if God already knows, then why pray? Like, why pray? And Jesus would say, if you're asking that question, you're now asking the right question. Could it be? Could it be the purpose of prayer is not ultimately about trying to get stuff from God because he already knows? Jesus is saying, if that thought's going through your mind, you're on to something. You're on the verge of a breakthrough about what prayer is and how it really works. Come on. Maybe we've been doing it all wrong. Maybe we've been doing it all wrong. Maybe it's why you quit doing it all together. And if you're offended by the suggestion that perhaps you don't pray correctly, then maybe you're exactly where you need to be. Now, when Jesus said this to his audience, I bet they went completely silent. I bet they were in shock because Jesus just deconstructed their entire prayer paradigm. But fortunately for them, and fortunately for us, he reconstructed it. He goes on to say, this then is how you should pray. You asked for it. Here it is. Here's how to pray to your heavenly Father who is unseen when you're alone and no one can see you. Here's how to pray in a way that works. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, Jesus' words here, when he teaches how to pray, this has become known to us as the Lord's Prayer. And many of us have memorized it. We've added a chorus to the end. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. 
I mean, which Jesus never said, but it is a cool ending to a song. Or we throw this at the end of it. You know, we think that, like, sealed the deal. Thank you. And we memorized this. And we thoughtlessly recited this prayer numerous times, all the while missing Jesus' entire point. Jesus wasn't teaching his followers the exact words we must pray verbatim. He just got done saying, God ain't impressed with that. He was teaching them why to pray and the elements of how to pray. Not exact words to pray every time we pray. Basically say, hey, since you're going to pray at some point, you might as well learn how. Here's the elements of how to pray so you don't go your whole life participating in it without experiencing the power of it. Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to break this passage down word for word. We're going to examine the elements of how Jesus taught us to pray. But as before it gets all that, I just want to give you a preview. Here's a preview of what we're going to discover over the next four weeks as Jesus teaches us how to pray. The first thing we're going to discover is that the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it. The purpose of prayer is not to impose our will on God, but to surrender ourselves to the will of God. When it comes to praying in a way that works, this is a game changer. You won't want to miss next week. The second thing we're going to discover are the rewards of prayer. Now, here's some of the rewards of prayer that we're going to discover. God's provision, providing the needs that we ask, ask for. God's pardon, relational forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption with him and with others. And God's protection from temptation and from the attacks that can take us out relationally, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. The third thing we're going to discover over the next few weeks is that the ultimate reward of prayer is relationally connecting with our Heavenly Father. Come on. The primary reason that Father God sent Jesus was to restore and redeem the broken relationship our violation of sin against him created with him. After we put our faith in Jesus, by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our lives, God's desire for us is to grow, is to connect relationally with him and grow in a relationship with him. It's for us to experience his presence and know that he is with us regardless if he says yes, regardless if he says no, or regardless if he says anything. Listen, you can believe in God the rest of your life. You can put your faith in Jesus and never grow in a relationship with God. Or experience his presence. God's saying the most important thing to me is not your finances. The most important thing to me is not your physical health. The most important thing to me is not your job. The most important thing to me is not your comfort. The most important thing for me is you growing in a relationship with me because everything else flows from that one thing. Come on. God has invited you into a deep, into a real, into an intimate, into a growing relationship with him. But it will never, ever, ever happen without consistent times with him by yourself. Praying how Jesus taught us to pray. You've got to know that prayer, it's a pathway. We think prayer is a magic trick. It's not. It's a pathway. It's a pathway to grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Man, through the years, you know, 25 years of following Jesus now, being a follower of Christ, I have grown so much in relationship with Christ. I experience his presence. I hear from him. 
I feel him. And you got to know that's not because I'm a pastor. I do not have special access to God that you don't have. I'm not anointed in some special way. I have none of that in my life. There is literally nothing special about me when it comes to my, my relationship with God that you don't have. The only reason I've grown in my relationship with God, the only reason I experience him, I hear him, I feel him, is because I chose years ago to daily have a consistent time by myself with him, praying in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. You, come on. You have as much God in your life as you want. You have as much God in your life as you want. You want more? Well, then this series is going to be so important for you. Finally, we're going to discover that prayer is a tool. Prayer is a tool. But it's not a tool for us to get what we want from God. <laughs> it's, it's not a tool for us to get what we wish from God because, as we said, he already knows. He's not a genie in a bottle. He already knows. Prayer is a tool God uses. Prayer is a tool God uses to change us. We're going to discover next week that prayer is a tool God uses to align our will with his. And when that transformation happens, when our will becomes aligned with his, you'll pray in ways you've never prayed before, and you'll see God answer those prayers in ways you never could have imagined. Those of you who have been around Relevant for any period of time or know me and my wife, Christy, uh, personally know that uh, over the years, we've lost five kids, four uh, to late miscarriages, one was stillborn, and uh, after all that happened, uh, we thought we were done with kids, someone uh, asked us, approached us, asked if we would be willing to ad adopt a child who was not yet born, uh, we you know, we, the, it was just a few months till this child was going to be born, we, so we had a short time to pray about it, we prayed about it real quick. We're like, we feel like we're supposed to do this. And so we expedited the adoption process, approval process, cost tons of money to do that. Um, and, and, you know, then we got, to the, we got approved and got to the date of the birth. You know, Christy and I are at the hospital. The baby's born. We stay all night. You know, we're ready to take the baby home from the hospital. And then in this cr kind of crazy series of events, it kind of all fell through. And we're just heartbroken, right? Just, like, we thought this is what we're supposed to do. I felt God leading us to do it. We've already lost five kids. Now, gosh, we can't even adopt a kid. You know, like, what's wrong with us? We're just heartbroken. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, Christy was already had so much just pain from losing five kids, watching one be born, you know, lifeless. I, I was like, this is going to destroy. Like, she's done. Like, this is going to destroy her. And so for the next month, as things were kind of in flux with, like, were we going to get this child? Weren't we going to get this child? It was just in flux. We just spent the whole month just praying. And our prayer started, God, would you please allow this? God, would you please, please allow this child to come home with us? Like, we knew this child coming home with us was better for this child than the environment this child was going to end up in. God, please allow this child. God, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God, please. And pleading with him. And as we prayed, as the weeks went by and we're praying that, all of a sudden my prayers started to change. And they didn't change because I wanted them to change. They just started to change. And all of a sudden, instead of praying, God, please, God, please, allow us, all of a sudden I just started praying, God, thank you. Thank you for the two kids we do have. Thank you for Grace and Reese. Like, we don't deserve them. You've given us way more than we deserve, could ever ask for. You've given us more than a lot of other people have. So thank you. 
And then our prayers started to change. God, I just pray that we become the best parents to those two girls possible and that you use Christy and me to have impact in a lot of young people's lives. I don't know why I started to pray that. Just help us have impact in a lot of young people's lives. God changed our prayers and answered prayers in a way that I can't begin to explain to you. Because from that month of of those prayers changing and praying that, God answered all those. So Christy from that really felt like she was supposed to lead the Sprouts ministry. And Christy would not have been leading that Sprouts ministry if we'd have brought that kid home and our prayers wouldn't have changed. And those of you who have had kids go through Sprouts, aren't you glad that Christy Rothy leads the Sprouts ministry? It was from that month of prayer that Christy and I felt like we were supposed to start a college T-Life group. We never had that thought before. It was from that month. And I know the college students, college age people have been through our T-Life group, which has been many, many now. It's 45 in our T-Life group now. Like there's been lives changed that have been, wouldn't have been changed if it wasn't for that. And here was the craziest thing of all this. Like the, I mean the craziest thing. Like I thought, you know, we felt God was calling us to adopt that kid and we prayed and felt like we were supposed to do that. And so when it didn't, it fell through and it's like, God, did we hear wrong? Like, and, then, and then this is so crazy. Like our prayers change and God, thank you. And God, through this adoption thing falling apart, God healed us emotionally. I don't know what way to tell you other than it was the most miraculous thing that I've ever seen of a person, my wife, who was crushed after watching herself, watching us lose five kids from, the, from that adoption falling through and us entering that time of prayer and our prayers changing through that, she was healed. And that wouldn't have happened probably in any other way. Come on. Prayer is a tool that God uses to change us. And the real power of prayer, uh, the, and, and the, us changing is the real power of prayer. That's the ultimate work of prayer. So come on, over the next few weeks, let's learn how to pray so we don't go our whole lives participating in it without experiencing the power of it. But before, before we get to all the hows, we've got to remember when we pray, where we pray, and why we pray are important. So let me ask you those questions. When do you pray? Where do you pray? Why do you pray? The answers to these questions determine if you pray in a way that works. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into how Jesus taught us to pray. And my hope is that as you apply the hows, it changes your whys. But first, we must start with when and where. And so that means this week I'm going to give you a one-week challenge. Ready? One-week challenge. Just one week from here to next Sunday. Here's my challenge to you every day this week. Get by yourself every day and pray. When and where? When and where? Get by yourself every day and pray. Don't worry about the length of time. Don't worry about the exact words. Just get alone with the unseen God who sees you and pray. Some of you are going to have a really hard time because you've never done this before and you don't know what you're going to do once you get there. And so we're, we want to help you. So we put together these little prayer guides. It has a bunch of different ways to just guide you into prayer. Uh, it, a, lot, a lot of cool different ways. Some of you have like, well, this is crazy. i never even heard of this stuff before. And so you're welcome. Good job giving. That's why you can have one of these. Uh, <laughs> we want to give you one of these. These are going to be really, really helpful. So when you walk out of here today, you're going to grab one of these 
uh, they're going to be handing these one. You take it, use it when you go by yourself in this one-week challenge. You get by yourself and pray. It's going to be super helpful. If you're watching online, we're going to have a digital version as well. The moderators are putting on. It's going to be on the website. But listen, you want to get a physical copy of this so you can swing by the office anytime or come next week. We'll have these available all throughout the series. But take this. I think this will really help you this week and throughout this series. And when you get alone this week by yourself, let me tell you, I can't promise angels or lights from heaven. But I can promise if you do this for one week, your father whom you can't see is going to see you. And he's probably going to do something in you. And it may not be what you want most, but it'll probably be what you need most. So here's what I want to do to close out today, though. I want to just spend a couple moments that just allow us and just personally, individually, just, a moment, just to have a moment of prayer just right where we're at today. And I'm going to put how Jesus taught us to pray up here on the screen. And, uh, and we're going to give you a moment just to, as kind of Bryn's playing, just to, it's going to be up here just a second. There we go. Uh, you don't need to sit there and recite this the whole time you're praying. As, as a matter of fact, I'd, what I'd love for you to do is just look at this and go, okay, right now as you read through this, what word is sticking out to you? What phrase is sticking out to you? Is it possible that that word or phrase that is sticking out to you, that that's how God wants you to pray this week? I don't know. Just take a couple minutes, and then I'm going to come back up, and we're going to close by reading this all out loud together. All right, so here's, we're going to learn the elements of this over the next few weeks. Um, this prayer was never given to just be recited thoughtfully or word for word, and that that's what prayer is. It's really the elements in it. But in order for us to learn the elements, remember the elements, it's going to take some memorization of what the elements are. So we're going to pray this out loud together every week, say it out loud together every week. And so let's close in prayer by saying it out loud together today. Ready? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread.
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.